Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. Guest needs no introduction. The one and only Ming Tsai. Thank you, sir, for being on the show. Thanks, Jensen, for having me. Absolutely. So I'm going to tell a little story, and, and Ming is going to indulge me. And the reason for this story is I'm going to tell a braggadocious story, a self-aggrandizing story, lots of name dropping. By the end of it, it will make sense. In 2011, Troy Gard and I packed up 150 pounds of Colorado bison and went out to the Kentucky Derby. This is where Ming Tsai and I first met. And I'm telling you this story because there was a very important message that came through from Ming at a late night gathering. And so we're doing this event. Gina Berry has got a crew of chefs. She's taking us around town. It's snacks and drinks at ceviche with anthony lamas it's dinner at 610 magnolia with ed lee bobby flay is the host of the show so he's our master of ceremonies and i mean it's like kent rathbun and brian polsen and and tori mcphail jennifer newbold nancy longo like the list goes on and on we're even you know going to these high-end events and red carpets and uh Celebrities are coming up, up to us and like introducing themselves. I remember Al Roker and Phil Helmuth. It was fucking crazy for me. It was like I had never seen anything like it. And I was, you know, totally starstruck by all of that. But then something important happened. There was a late night. There was like five or six of us at Proof on Main after all of the glitzy, glamorous, bougie stuff and just sitting around having snacks, having drinks. Nancy Silverton is over here cracking jokes and shooting the shit and telling us about, you know, back in the day type stories. And then Ming got on the mic and you started talking about back when you were coming up in New York, remembering Troy Gard when him and Brad Turley and all these guys were opening up uh, Roy's. And you were just like, I could just tell the energy, like there's no more red carpet. There was no more TV interviews. It was so important for you to like acknowledge all of the people that you had gotten to work with at that time and making fun of Troy a little bit and also showing him a lot of respect. So I want to touch on that because we call them unsung hospitality heroes. It's so easy for us to get forget that no matter how big you get in the industry, it really still matters the people that have been there along that journey. So I wanted to give you the floor, just touch on why that was important and, you know, telling stories about the people that have been a part of your journey. Uh, first of all, pretty pretty damn good memory there, Jensen. Uh, you remember basically everyone. Yeah. What was that driving? No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably start with Julius because we were at Kentucky Derby. Lots, then, of, lots of bourbon. Lots of yeah, bourbon. And probably uphill from there to vodka or downhill from there. Um, yeah, first, thanks for having me. Look, I, I think um, I learned I learned a great, a great tip, a great lesson from my father. And uh Talk about a hero. I mean, he's truly one of my heroes. He's 90 today, still works full time. He's working with NASA on a patented design that he came up with called Double Double. 
I went through this whole spiel with him that dad, you know, the real double doubles at in and out. Right. And we had one animal style, by the way, he loved it. But anyway, he's my hero. He, he always told me, it doesn't really matter what your superiors think about you. It's much more important that what your peers think about you. And most importantly, the people that work, below you or work with you, but report to you what they think of you matters the most. Because when you do rise to the top, assuming you have success in whatever industry and business you're in, they, they will absolutely help you rise to the top. And it's really the people below you that help you rise, right? It's not the people above you. The people above you sometimes don't want you to rise because it's their job, right? The people below you help you rise. And if you don't take care of them along the whole way, especially when you make it, your whole foundation crumbles. And when you then start falling down, they're not going to put their hand out and help you because you forgot about them. They're the ones that bring you to the top. They're the ones that have to stay with you, right? Which is why I've always said the most important position in any restaurant is the dishwashers, period. And the prep cooks. They're really good. (laughs) That's it. I've, you know, I have washed dishes in those times that the dishwashers run out and blah, blah, blah. And you're wearing a garbage bag and you're just like, oh, my God, this is such a hard job. You're right. And you have to appreciate that. So I do one thing that I learned. Um, so kudos to my dad, obviously, who's still living. He's in Honolulu, actually, with mom at Kahala Nui. So they're nice. they're doing OK. They're doing OK. Right. Very safe right now, Hawaii. Um, you know, he would always. And that this, I know this is so cliche because in, in English and American, whatever it's called, we say nice guys finish last. That's the old adage that people probably on Wall Street say. Yeah. My dad sure. and my grandfather, my yeah, no. Harin Halba. Good things happen to good people. Period. Some call it karma, some call it the way, some call it just life. And uh I think I think. I think if you always keep that in mind, you're going to get by. You're going to get by better than you would if you did it a different way, right? You have to always think of the people below you, which is why in France and why I brought this tradition over from France when I trained there when I was a kid is you shake hands and you look in the eye to every single person in the kitchen, dishwasher up to the chef, That's it, right? And you say, you do the same thing. So it's bonjour, 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 and then au revoir, au revoir, au revoir, and then goodbye, 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 goodbye. So I I have fast forwarded. We do fist pumps, right? Because people's hands are dirty. They have gloves on, right? But you have to make contact, right? Yes. And if you're the owner, you thank them. Thanks for being here. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's not just to make small talk. It's to make the connection because they're your team. And if you ever forget that, you're done. You're done. It took it. It was really one of those perspective moments for me. It like really snapped for me. And since that moment, I've always thought every t- it's linear. Every time I have succeeded, it's because I recognize that I work for them, and it's my job to be out front to support them, to give them the opportunities. And every single time I've failed, it's because I took people for granted, and I thought they were lucky to work for me, and I read too many news clippings and all of that bullshit, and got caught up in it. And so it was one of those moments for me. I'm sitting there listening to you tell stories and it wasn't about glad handing 
the rich folk or the other famous celebrities or whatever. And there was a lot of hobnobbing going on during the Kentucky Derby. It was you talking about the dishwashers and and poking fun at Troy for wearing high tops all the time. The sneaker game. Still does. The guy sleeps in high tops. That's ridiculous. I know it. And I was I was sitting there and I was struck by it. I was like, I was like, holy shit! Are you telling me the guy from from Simply Ming is a gangster and a pirate like all the rest of us? I was like, that was it. It was such an important moment to like get perspective and understanding. And so you still keep that from your dad and all the way through your training and stuff, you still hold on to that. Is it challenging sometimes to like buy into the hype? Yeah. look in my kitchen and most of our kitchens, we think you're only as good as your last plate, right? So it doesn't matter what your wall of fame says, right? We all have the accolades and this, and apparently we're that. Yeah. I was that good that day, right? Mm -hmm. June 17, 19, whatever, right? Today, it's a whole new day. That's why the restaurant's so cool, right? That's why that's why we love hospitality. Yeah, and by the way, there's you can't fake this, right? Either you love hospitality that you want to bring in that extra seat in, and you want to see, you want to give them great food, ambience, booze, the whole nine yards, and you love doing that, or you don't. And if you don't, the restaurant industry is the hardest industry in the world to be in, right? Because you have to have that love. Otherwise, it'll beat the crap out of you. And yeah. with the love, the crap out of this you, whole right? COVID nineteen shit is beating the crap out of me. All my buddies, buddies are girls and guys, right? Everyone's getting the crap beaten out of them, and it's it's so sad to see. It is um, the biggest challenge for for chef owners right now because we know. We just went through this whole thing about your team. But we also know in this industry, in the millions and millions, tens of millions of hospitality workers, because of our lack of a great immigration policy in this country, we have so many that are under the radar, right? Yes. And you're talking, you're not talking about 5% of hospitality employees are under the radar. You're talking, I don't think it's half, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's 30, 40% of the dishwashers, the cooks, the waiters of this, the bussers that are, you know, they have social security numbers. So as far as I know, they're completely on board. But when it comes to something like this, are they getting an unemployment check right now? Are they getting a bailout of any sort? No. They are so under the radar and they have nowhere to go. They send money home to take yeah. care of their parents and their family. They can't just go to the suburbs or go live with parents. Or go, they have no place to go. And 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 as with all disasters, with Anything when it goes wrong, the poorest people are the ones that suffer the most. Always, always. in hurricanes and war, in COVID nineteen, and and that's the shit that's keeping me up at night, right? Because you know I blue dragon. We have thirty employees, and uh, very proudly because of a great man named Ed Lee and his partner Lindsay, um, they started the Lee Initiative, and um, because and, and Ed's very smart. Um, and thank God Ed drinks bourbon because, <laughs> a lot of bourbon because a lot of it because of his relationship with Maker's Mark, he convinced them to look, guys, you have money per city to do promotions and gatherings and all your events and stuff. Well, that's not happening this year. So give me that money instead per city, and I'll find a chef per city and create a food bank in their restaurant. And 
Fortunately, Ed chose me in Boston, and we've been for this is our seventh week now. We've served, uh, uh, I don't know, it's a good question. I don't know, 75, 10,000 meals maybe um, to restaurant employees, and specifically the ones that are under the radar. I'm not advertising that, I'm just bringing the food to that neighborhood. So when we started this, again, seven weeks ago, uh, Blue Dragon is in the seaport, which is a high-tech, up-and-coming new area, maybe the Tribeca of Boston one day, who knows. But um, but it's not quite a neighborhood yet. And for the thousands that live there, not tens and thousands, it's very pricey. So it's that type. It's beautiful, right? Great restaurants. It's it's it's. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it comes out of this, by the way. Sure. But all of the people that work with Blue Dragon and every other restaurant don't live there. I don't live there, right? I mean, it's crazy expensive. They live in Chelsea, East Boston. Um, you know, African Americans, Latinas, all all of them live huge families together. We opened the food bank and no one would come. We got like 40, 50 people the first couple of days. I'm like, what's going on? And I finally reached out to the cooks because we were delivering them food. And they're like, chef, we're too scared to ride the tea. We can't ride an Uber and Lyft, which is true, too dangerous. And you can't ride the tea. So I'm like, okay, we're bringing the food to you. And that's how, thank God, we hooked up with this guy, Ernie Campbell, who owns a food truck. He owns a restaurant called Jamaican Me Hungry. He, he's letting me use the food truck. And we're bringing the food there. We did 500 plus meals uh, Fridays. It's great. And, and toiletries. So that's the awesome part. And you mentioned about, is it hard, you know, always, you know, thinking about the people that work with you? No. Without them, I wouldn't be able to do this. Um, my chef, who is total gangsta, total, is Christine Canlis. She's this Filipino woman, so that already tells you what she is. That means she's serious. Oh, yeah. She's tough as nails. She's the mama-san to the entire crew, right? She speaks enough Spanish. She's basically fluent, so all the entire crew loves her. She treats them so well with respect, teaching them how to cook. She's been running this food pantry with Gabe, um, who's my Brazilian sous chef. Uh, thank God for immigrants, by the way. Oh. And um, they're they're running the sh they're running the show like it's their own, right? I mean, we're of course we're doing to go no contact. We're doing less than ten percent of normal revenue, and you don't need to be as smart as Alan Wong to know you can't make a living on ten percent of your revenue, right? So, <clears throat> which which brings us then to the point: how scary it is for any restaurant owner, mom and pops, right? If you're a huge corporation, you're probably okay, right? The Shake Shacks, the Dominoes, this and that, they're doing just fine. Actually, some of them are killing it, right? Um, so, of course, everyone says, well, just pivot. Just become a fast casual or just become a this or become a that. It's, it's just not that easy. You can't just like, okay, close up shop and what about all the infrastructure? It's, it's just not that easy. Um, it, it, it is a time. It, it is a time of opportunity, too. If you can see past all the smoke and clouds, uh, the, the thing that scares the living crap out of me is 50% at least of all Chinese and Chinese American restaurants are going to be closed after this. Think about that. Think about that. It's a big number. That's, that's a crazy number, right? And this this whole xenophobia and the Chinese virus, I mean, come on, really? <laughs> Just, if you believe in science, I don't know, there's shit called like gravity. I believe in. Yeah. Right? F equals MA, right? I mean, this is the air, it's photosynthesis. I don't know. The sun, the solar system, science. Science is true. There's not, there's not an, 
there's always opinions maybe on the creation of earth right but on sheer science that darwin and newton and all these fantastic scientists have proven that's here so science is telling us that this is what's going to happen with with covid and the fact that like half of our country is opening up now that's not going to make it go away and i'm not a scientist i just believe in science and and that just makes it even scarier for us restaurants because if it doesn't go away, that means we have to stay at 50% capacity. So even if we do open, so any restaurant that has a bar, which is most of our restaurants, right? You're going to lose half your seating. And then you actually can't take walk-ins because you can't gather. And if you can't gather, that means you can't be at the bar, which is your profit center of your restaurant. So I don't care who you are and how good you are. The old formula of a restaurant won't survive until... Of course, COVID's gone, which is yeah. 18 months, two years, right? Either one vaccine or two herd immunity, one of the two. But so, so then the question to anyone that has their own restaurants, how do you survive for a year and a half, right? What can you do to pivot? How can you redefine? Can you close and somehow convince the landlord? I mean, it's just all these things because the loan, this PPP, there are so many strings attached. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, they want 100% of your staff back within eight weeks of funding. I'm not even open yet, right? I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's ludicrous, right? But huge challenges, man. Oh my huge. god! But we have to survive too, right? Because we yep. we are the restaurants. So so if all of us are turning in the towels, then then what happens? Um, it, it's it's just it's really, um, what I'm trying to do because I'm in it as well, right? I mean, if I was on the outside, I, everyone can give great advice when they're on the outside, right? But when you're actually in it, um, and I don't have the answer. If I had the answer, I would tell everyone. Um, but I do think you have to step back and, and look at it in a two-year time frame, if you can. Because if you can't, if you can't step back and try to survive the two years, it's, it's going to be too hard. And, well, that's and a challenge for restaurants. And by the way, science, science is also saying it could come back harder the, the second, second wave in November yeah. and then the third time. So you're going to open and close and open and close and open. No, you just you're hemorrhaging money, right? So the question is, how do you reserve cash, but also somehow do something, right? A lot of people are doing pop-ups and at least doing dinners in people's homes, right? They're, they're you know, it's, um, it, <laughs> it's so funny. He and his entire crew were sick as dogs in January. Everyone that worked at 610 were sick as dogs. They probably all all had COVID. They didn't know it then. It would, they didn't, COVID wasn't around. Only, only a few senators in the administration knew COVID was here. None of us knew. Um, so they actually all probably have antibodies that are being tested this week. So they could actually be the safest restaurant in the country because the entire crew may have antibodies. So, wow, I mean, unbelievable. So, so anyway, sorry, I'm sorry to digress, but please. No, yeah. no, no. It's good stuff, man. This is all about just stream of consciousness. Nobody fucking knows what's happening right now. So it's just like personal decisions, choices, and how we're building community or trying to support our community. So I appreciate yeah. everything that you're saying. Going back, thinking about one of the things that you said of – Ed and drinking bourbon and doing some documentaries on bourbon and stuff. He was in the right place at the right time. And they, they made a big pivot, right? Because they were focused on women's programs yep. and they said, now let's feed people. So they had to really think about yep. how they could stamp out that model. And now they're in, you know, 20 cities. I talked to Lindsay of amazing leading that program and Thomas Bolton, who's the lead from makers Mark. And I asked him 
you know, it's easy for people to be cynical and like, well, Maker's Mark is just throwing a little bit of money at this problem. But they are like they have ambassadors in every city. They are like really feet oh, no. on the streets. And so think about that perspective in Boston. What's the support that you've gotten the infrastructure? Why you decided to attach your brand, your team, your work to something like the Lee Initiative? Yeah, great question. I mean, look, literally hats off to, to Ed and Lindsay because um, there was really Lindsay who's running the foundation, and it was specifically for women in the industry, right? Immigrant women, because immigrant women are going to have the hardest time at anything in this country because they're immigrant women, right? Um, and we'll talk, remind me to talk about, and you probably know this from Ed and Lindsay, their shift, right? Ed Lead Initiative Part 2, uh, which yeah. is awesome. But the reason I got involved was um, I closed voluntarily Blue Dragon down about two or three days before the governor closed down Massachusetts because uh, it was just people just ignoring social distancing, people toasting, toasting coronavirus, these youngins. I'm like, okay, you guys don't get it. So we close it down, but we never closed Blue Dragon. So the Monday after I closed it Saturday, we opened up for no contact to go. And one of the reasons we opened up, knowing we would not do great, because we're in the seaport, it's not a neighborhood area, but we wanted to be open because we still had to do family meal. So Christine, again, my my gangsta, she's like, chef, we still got to do family meal. These, you know, we have 30 people, you know, 20. Uh, only the three managers at that time were working. So 27 weren't working and they need food. And I'm like, you're right. So let's, we stay open. We do no contact to go. We'll ride it out. We didn't know how long this is going to last. We're like, you know, you can do anything for a couple of weeks, right? So let's just ride this out. And um, again, we were delivering the food to East Boston in the area because they were too scared to come out at that time too. So I'm like, okay, we'll deliver you the food. Um, and then thank God about 10 days into it, and I was literally on the edge of what am I going to do? Because I'm losing money, right? I mean, rent, insurance, everything, that doesn't change. That's You're still paying all that. And um, and then this whole lead initiative is like, look, can you, can you turn Blue Dragon into a food bank and feed as many restaurant employees as possible? I'm like, I would absolutely love to do that. Um, for for two reasons. One, it just gives us, gives us the support for the purpose of really feeding the people it need. Uh, like I said, I was losing sleep on the whole, everyone under the radar still am, right? I mean, the, nothing's changed for them. They're just, thank God, getting now food and hopefully some help down the road. And um, so with Ed's, with uh, Maker's Mark seed money, uh, and I so agree with you, Maker's Mark is not just, here's a check, goodbye. They're, they're in it, their employees are in it. They're so proud to be part of it. Um, believe you me, this is this is this Haran Hallball karma thing, right? I'm going to have a couple of Maker's Marks cocktails on my, on my cocktail list for the rest of life, right? I mean, these guys are just good people doing good things and smart. They didn't hesitate. They jumped on it. They did it. Um, but with that seed money that 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 supported, um, all right, let's feed as many as possible. And, and then Ed very smartly and Lindsay's like, look, if you can get as much donated as possible, you know, we're going to seed you for two weeks, but people are going for weeks because they get stuff donated. And I knew that because of my connections, I'd be able to do that. So with local people like John Keneally and Kim Martin with with uh, meats and seafood and people like that. Um, and then, you know, then make then Leanisha started getting some bigger donations from other companies, Tabasco's and things like that. And hood milk and, and you know, hood dairy uh, and then the Greater Boston Food Bank, um, which I've worked with before. Um, did a huge campaign and they are really helping us stay open. So now we're in week seven 
right? And we're still going to keep going. We're going to go at least hopefully to the end of May because the need is not going down. The need is going up, right? The first four weeks, everyone has, I guess, some savings. We're seven, eight weeks into this. And I mean, it's just, and it's and so unlike any other disaster we've had, the hurricanes and things like that, and the forest fires, you know, the fires in California, because it's, if they can't work at Blue Dragon, it's not like they can go work at the other seven restaurants in the neighborhood. All those restaurants have the same issue I have. So, um, and their skill set literally is cooking or washing dishes or whatever it is. And, and, and half the time, because of language barrier, they can't just go out and start getting another job either, right? And it's, it's yeah, we've already proven, obviously, the, the our healthcare system is broken, right? And, uh, um, and we've always known the immigration system is broken. I mean, these people should be Americans. They are Americans. Half of them were born here, right? Their kids were born here. They're Americans, right? Period. And they're working. They're making beautiful golf courses and taking care of trash and doing the jobs that a lot of people don't want to do. We got to get over this, right? I mean, everyone talks about, okay, well, can't wait for it to get back to normal. No, no, we do not want to get back to where we were because that wasn't normal. Where we were was horrible for most people in this country. Awesome for the 1%. The, and maybe decent for 10% below the 1%. But then once you fall to the upper middle, middle, and then once you fall to the real working class of America, it's horrible. It's horrible. The, to do three jobs a day to be able to get food on the table for your children, that's not thats not a country that we should be living in and be proud of, right? So I do hope when this crap is over that we're going to get back to a higher plane than we were before right it's, it's it's energetically we have to be a higher plane right and and i do see it and you've seen it too right jensen you've seen this kindness from people and and people um people are craving to see other people for one but people for the most part are realizing that oh my god we're actually all the same aren't we right i've, I've been saying this for two months literally since this started there's three people three types of people in this world today has nothing to do with color of skin, your rich or poor, your political preferences, your sexual preferences, nothing. You're either healthy or you're infected or you're dying. That's it. You're one of them and you're healthy, I hope. I'm one of them. I'm healthy. But I definitely know people that are infected. And unfortunately, I know people that are dying or have died. Floyd Cardis, one of our heroes, one of the best Indian chefs. Just, I mean, fuck, I'm not going to cry. I've cried too much. Just senselessly taking out people. So if you know there's only three people left in this world, healthy, infected, or dying, take care of everyone to your right and to your left. Because that's all we have, guys. And if that's it. I said this, if we can be kinder to ourselves, myself, and you, and strangers, how? People, how do you help? How so easy. Find an older couple or an older family or the elderly in your apartment. Find them. Knock on their door. Stay away and ask, hey, can I go grocery shopping for you? That's how you do it. It's not that hard. And, and I'm not saying fund them. None of us have a lot of money. Just say, man, go grocery shopping for you. Right? You, you're, gonna, you're, you're going to change that person's life. You may save that person's life. But you're just going to change the way humanity can be thought of. And if everyone does enough of these little freaking acts of kindness. We'll get through this.
This is this is why I wanted you on the show. Not because you're Ming Tsai, but because you're this guy in this moment right now. Because I wanted to be able to tell the story of I had the same realization. We're all the same. Like in that moment, the gap between Ming Tsai and Jensen Cummings was nothing because you were so proud of the stories of your dishwashers, right? And so I think about this moment. It wasn't because I was like, ooh, who's the biggest name I can get on the show? It's because I looked who is supporting the Lee Initiative. I was like, Blue Dragon, I hadn't even heard about that because your PR team didn't go into PR mode and say, let's tell everybody what amazing work Ming is doing. It was because Lindsay was like, check out these 19 restaurants that are supporting what we're doing. I was like, holy shit, Blue Dragon, that makes a lot of sense that you're out there supporting. It makes even more sense that you're going and bringing that food to those neighborhoods because to your point, are they the lifeblood of our country? Yes. Of this industry? Absolutely. Like they are it. And so the fact that you're working really hard to support them, I think means a lot. And it is a roadmap for that. The gratitude that we need to have for in hospitality needs to be what comes out of this. It doesn't matter what's going on the plate. It matters how you're supporting and taking care of another human being. That, that's yeah, hospitality, yeah. Ming. And that's really important. And so I appreciate you saying that. And I know you'll continue to kind of say that and champion that phase two. We're starting to think about phase two, what they're yep, talking yep. about now. So, so yeah, so, so the initiative, the initiative is, I mean, we're going to continue yeah. food banks as long as we can, right? Because there's that need. But there's another huge need because it's a domino effect, right? So restaurants have been closed for eight weeks, which we have. That means every people we buy stuff from is also suffering. We're talking about dairies and you know cheesemakers and fisheries and farmers, you know, not just farmers, but people that also you know tend to chicken to pork to cows right i mean the entire supply chain has been greatly affected yes of course it's going to the whole foods and stop and shops right but a lot of these people were restaurant focused and selling to all of us mom and pops and and you hear the stories you hear about you know the slaughtering of animals and there's the dumping of perfect vegetables because they just can't get the distribution set so lee initiative smartly is jumping in especially for the smaller ones is asking all of our chefs you know who what smaller ones i like milani fish who is the small local fishery guy you know there's all these small farms around new, in new england uh, to help support them because the big boys are going to make it, right? The big boys have already gotten huge financing and they can always get more loans. But the small ones can't just go out and get more loans because they're already maxed out. So what Lee Nisha is doing, uh, and they've, they've committed a million bucks, which is unbelievable. They're going to go in and buy and, and help support. Kind of like they're seeding us restaurants to be food pantry. They're going to seed them with tens and thousands of dollars to stay afloat, and then that product that we're buying from them, right, let's say $20,000 of fish, which is a huge amount of fish, not in one day, of course, will then ideally first go to the restaurants that are run by women women immigrant restaurants first. Because, again, they're the ones that need the most help because they're women and they're immigrants. So we don't have to go down this road again. And then, of course, all of us other small mom and pops that are yeah. just trying to get by. Uh, so so it's, it, it's even better than version one because now this is helping the farmers and restaurants because now these restaurants are going to get free fish and free vegetables and stuff to help them out to reopen um and and it's helping these small farms. we can't lose these small farms and small fisheries uh just we cannot it, it's it, look if, <laughs> if i was a president of the united states i would have done it differently right i would have just freaking kept 
as much as you can, get rid of the virus first and foremost, and then reopen the country. Don't try to do both at once. It's just not working. You can't be half pregnant. There. True story. Community is being redefined. The lines of community are being redrawn. It's no longer important for Blue Dragon to be enticing to European tourists. It is the most important for Blue Dragon to be a pillar in the community in a way that maybe it has been or maybe it never has been to the degree that it is currently because you don't have anybody but your neighbors. You don't have anybody but the people that are inside your four walls. So I really appreciate the, the way that we're thinking about that now because Christina and your crew, those 30 people, that's who matters. Yeah. The fishermen down the street that you've been working with for 22 years, that's who truly matters. And that's what I hope we really hold on to coming out of this, which I think is so. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'll make one suggestion too, for those that are watching this and good job on this, Jensen, way to get this out there. For all of our customers, you know this better than anyone. When there's a disaster, the one industry that always steps up, right? I mean, our best example is Jose Andres with World Central Kitchen. I mean, he has literally fed tens of millions of people around the world from disaster to disaster to disaster. Now it's COVID-19, are the worst disaster this world's seen, right? The food industry always steps up. We always do. I, my Ken Oranger and I, my buddy, were sitting at Blue Dragon five plus years ago, the day of the marathon bombing. And we're sitting at Dragon having a drink. It's just, it was such a, it was such an attack on Boston and humanity, right? It was just a really, and, and just, just think about that. We have 80,000 dead right now. And that was, you know, five dead, but still the impact didn't matter. My point was to be like, okay, not shall we do something is what are we going to do? Right. What are we going to do? And we called, we said we did the best event that I've ever done. Boston Bites Back, a million dollars raised, a hundred chefs. We got Fenway to be donated by the ownership, et cetera, et cetera. Amazing. This time around, we need your help because the restaurant industry is affected. First time ever. We are and we're still helping out, though, even though I'm literally thinking about, you know, the things that you never think about as a chef owner, things like bankruptcy and how you're going to move ahead and whatnot. Even with all of those problems of the world, the industry is still stepping up. Look at Daniel Hume in New York at 11 Madison. Look at Jose Andres. Look at Ken Orange and Jamie Bissett feeding hospital workers. Look at all of Jody Adams. I mean, we're all still in it to help out everyone. So it's twofold. So if you are out there and you are a restaurant girl, which everyone that's watching is, and you have the capacity, if anything, go support your local restaurant. Buy gift cards. Get that restaurant cash. Buy gift cards. They're going to reopen one day. Buy gift cards. And they don't reopen. They still use that money. You still help them, right? Yes. That's that is the one and only time that I've been on this planet for fifty-six years that we've actually the restaurant industry has to go out and ask for help. We are using nine eleven. Oh my God, how many millions and millions of dollars did we raise, right? And that's what we want to do. That's the definition of hospitality. But we do need your help now too. So we're asking. That is it, and it's not even thinking of it like. Charity. This is the hospitality that's been paid into the ecosystem for generations being paid forward again. So I could not agree more. I know people that still haven't gotten money from unemployment that are that are texting me saying, hey, chef, do you know anywhere where I can go volunteer this weekend? I'm like, you're 
you're breaking my heart and you're inspiring me in the same moment because how can you think that when you literally can barely pay yourself, can barely take care of yourself or don't have food, yet you're thinking about where to volunteer to your point. It's the truest form of hospitality. Ming, I'm grateful for the conversation, for the leadership that we're going to continue to need. And that 2011 Kentucky Derby, it changed my life. And the story of you and Troy and the high top sneakers, I'll never forget it because we are all the same in this moment, in every moment. And we need to remember that. Hey, one more thing. Yes. Um, May 24th, if you're open on that Sunday, I'm doing a very cool event. It's a cooking live chef-a-thon. Love it. First time I've ever done it. Cooking Live is an event I do for Family Reach. It's my charity. I'm the chairman of the National Advisory Board. We financially help families with cancer. If you can imagine dealing with cancer by itself, it's the worst thing. We've all been touched by it. Uh, some one degree like me, some five degrees, but we've all been touched by cancer. You're immunocompromised if you're getting cancer. Can you imagine having a child right now with cancer during COVID? It's a nightmare for cancer families. So I'm doing this event. It's a chef's thought. I have six very cool people live Instagram. Go to go to my Instagram page, Ming Sai. It starts at 4 p.m. Eastern time. We have Jose Andres. We have Reese Witherspoon. We have Amanda Freitag, Arun Sanchez, Paris Hilton, Guy Frieri, Imagine Dragons. It is a great lineup. Everyone's going to cook about 30, 40 minutes with me. I'm sending them a box. We're going to make a cocktail. It's to talk about family reach. It's also to get us to forget about everything that's going on, right? It's a great yeah. to just open up, have fun, see how some see good that. food is made, right? Have a cocktail and then support family reach. And uh, so I'm very excited about this. This is May 24th. Just go to go to my, my Instagram page, guys, Ming Sai, and you'll see it all. Yes, and we will tag that up and make sure to get some people out there. That is quite yeah, yeah. the lineup there for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to start posting awesome. about it shortly. Ming, I'm grateful to you, to every unsung hospitality here out there that's just making things happen. That's what we do in the industry. Yeah. So thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. Have a great day. All right, man. Mahalo. Be good. Take care. Peace. The one and only. That, uh, you know, I tell that story and I haven't told it often, but I tell that story about, you know, the the bouginess of everything that I experienced. I was like whisked off to a new world when we got to Louisville and was way out of my depth and just fanboying out the whole time. And I can tell you, this isn't just something I said for this show. When he started talking about the dishwashers and coming up in New York, like it changed my perspective and I tethered to that moment. And when I've succeeded, it's because I took that seriously. When I fucked up and have failed, it's because I took people for granted every single time. And that's why I wanted to have him on is because I needed him to share that part of the story because then it makes the rest of, you know, hanging out with Bobby Flay seem like there's some depth to that story because it was really important and it meant a lot to me. So I'm grateful for that conversation. The Lee Initiative, we'll tag that up. His event as well on May 24th, Ming Tsai on Instagram. Uh, what a lineup that is. And you know what? I'm actually glad he mentioned Guy Fieri because that's somebody that's really easy for us in the industry to be like, fuck that guy and his frosted tips and his taglines and his weird cans of nachos. Like, I get it. It's easy. I've done it. That dude's raised $20 million and a lot of other people have helped. He has leveraged his brand and a lot of other people I'm sure have done a lot of the grunt work 
and those people are unsung hospitality heroes as well. Yet it's easy for us to say that this person or that person is what represents hospitality. Anybody who's willing to go out there and hustle and communicate and support your community, you're all right in my book. Great show. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.